Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to the podcast. If you want to speak better English and you're looking for a one-to-one teacher to help you to develop your fluency, accuracy, and confidence then you really ought to check out italki, the sponsor of this episode, because they can help you. With italki, you can find loads of qualified English teachers for lessons and speaking practice using Skype. You can have English lessons in the kitchen, in the living room, in the office. It's really convenient and effective. There are loads of teachers to choose from, so you can find the right one for you, and then simply arrange to have lessons according to your schedule. Yes, and I do say schedule, not schedule. Because schedule, that's the British way of doing it. Anyway, uh, this is really a great way to get proper English practice into your lifestyle. And if you want to get a free lesson with italki, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. Loads of my listeners are using italki these days and you can do it too. Okay, let's start the show. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, hello. There is a slight technical issue right at the beginning of this episode. For some reason, the recording skipped slightly right at the start. And when it skipped, it removed um, one sentence. And that sentence is... I've just had a flapjack. I've just had a flapjack. That's the missing sentence when the recording skips slightly. I've added it back in, in post-production, but it sounds weird. So I'm just explaining it to you now. And if you're wondering what a flapjack is, I'm just, I'll explain it to you as well. All right, fine. Good. Let's go. All right, folks, let's get started. How are you today? Hope you're doing all right. You're all right. You're you're all right. Yeah, good. Okay. I'm doing okay. Good. I've just had a flapjack. What's a flapjack, Luke? A flapjack is a sort of sweet uh, thing. It's a bit like a biscuit. Often it's made at home. This one wasn't. And flapjacks are usually made from oats uh, mixed in with probably honey. Actually, it was more like a cereal bar than a flapjack, but I'm calling it a flapjack. Oats mixed in with like honey, baked in the oven. And they come out sort of crunchy and sweet and oaty, right? Um, and um, I ate uh, a flapjack that came out of a packet. So you just sort of open it out. And okay, good. Great way to start the episode, Luke. You reel them in with the fascinating talk of eating flapjacks. Uh, just hold their attention with that kind of stuff. You can't go wrong. Oh, anyway, well, that's. I'm just letting you know what I've been doing. What have you been doing? Have you eaten a flapjack as well? Wow, that's amazing. I would be surprised, actually. Tell you what, if anyone out there listening to this has either just eaten a flapjack, flapjack, yeah. If you've just eaten a flapjack, if you are eating a flapjack right now, or you were thinking about eating a flapjack, or indeed 
you are now thinking of eating a flapjack because of listening to this, then let me know in the comments section. I'd love to know all your flapjack-related uh, uh, news in the comments section. All right, now, enough about flapjacks. Let's move on to the actual content of the episode. And um, there are two quite different topics in this episode of this Holiday Diary series. Two fairly different topics. Actually, wait, wait, wait a minute. Um, hello, this is me interrupting myself on the podcast. And I'm having to do this because... Actually, it's not two topics in this episode. Um, yesterday, I recorded what you're listening to. Not this bit now, because I'm doing this now. But anyway, yesterday I recorded this episode, and the plan was that I'd cover two topics in one episode. And, of course, it ended up being much longer than I expected. And so I've decided to split this one in half. So this Holiday Diary series is getting slightly out of control. Um, and uh, just it gets kind of longer and longer. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's all content. That's the most important thing. But the point is, it's it's not two, uh, not two subjects in one episode. Uh, this episode you're listening to now is just going to contain the first subject, and then the second subject will be dealt with in the next one. Okay, I thought I'd let you know that just to avoid any confusion, but uh, maybe I've, I've just confused you even more. But, um, you know, you've got to try, haven't you? You do. You have to try sometimes. Anyway, not two topics, one topic in this one, the next one in the next one. Okay, all right, let's carry on then. The whole Holiday Diary series was inspired by my recent holiday to the United States. Uh, first of all, the first topic is an analysis. This is very important. An analysis of the vocabulary that you can find in the lyrics to Will Smith's rap from the famous 90s TV show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is obviously a very serious piece of work that deserves proper scrutiny. Um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do you know that? It was a kind of TV sitcom from the 90s starring Will Smith as the kind of young guy from sort of a rough part of Philadelphia who ends up moving in with his uncle and aunt's family in an extremely wealthy area of Los Angeles called Bel-Air. Uh, it was a really popular show. It launched the career of Will Smith and um, uh, the rap at the beginning, in the opening titles, it's a rap that, for some reason, uh, like most of my friends and most of the people of my generation can do. Uh, most people seem to know the lyrics to that rap. Anyway, so we're going to be looking at that. Uh, serious business, kind of. And then uh, we're going to be kind of moving into another area and we're going to talk... Uh, we, the royal we again. No, I'm going to talk about some comments and stories about people's experiences with the Church of Scientology. The Church of Scientology, I have talked about it before, two years ago. I'm going to talk about it again. The Church of Scientology, which some people describe as a dangerous cult. Ooh. So, Will Smith and Scientology. Now, it's not my intention to make some sort of link between those two things, by the way. They're both just topics that came to my mind while travelling around on holiday in August with my wife. We went to the USA. Most of our time was spent visiting the national parks and the Navajo Nation territories in Arizona and Utah, looking at big rocks and stuff. I'll be talking to you about that in this series, I expect. And by the way, when this series is over, it'll be back to the usual sort of podcasting that I do. For example, I sat down yesterday with Paul Taylor, and we recorded a couple of episodes. 
and those ones are in the pipeline. And I've also got some other stuff with other guests lined up. But before all of that, let's finish the holiday diary first. So we went to the States. We spent lots of time out in the kind of in the countryside, let's say, in the desert, looking at big rocks and cracks in the ground and things. But we also spent some time in Los Angeles, where one day we took a drive through the wealthy district of Bel Air just to have a look around. And then after that, we drove past the big Scientology buildings, which are just off Sunset Boulevard. They were on our way home. So on the route home, we drove along Sunset Boulevard and we drove past the Scientology buildings. Like we did two years before, in fact, because two years ago, um, we went to the States on our honeymoon and I recorded a few episodes about that too, including some stuff about Scientology. And Scientology still holds some weird fascination for me, so I thought that I would talk about it again, perhaps in a bit more depth. If you don't know what Scientology is, if you're thinking Scientology, what's that? Is that like science, but with an ology at the end? Well, no, not really. I'll, t- I'll tell you all about Scientology in the second half of this episode, all right? Now then, did you get the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on TV in your country when you were younger. Um, Did you? uh, Have you ever seen it? I used to watch that TV show a lot and Will Smith's rap from the opening titles is one of the only raps that I can do almost from beginning to end, with perhaps the exception of some verses from Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang and maybe something by the Beastie Boys. But I think I can remember most of the lyrics to to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air you know what? You don't believe me? Let's test myself. I bet I can't do them all, but let me see if I can I can do this. The Fresh uh, Prince, I'm typing into Google here, into YouTube. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, opening titles. Um, we want the opening opening song, instrumental version. Let's see if I can do a, a rap. Now, um, I can't, am I going to do this in the same way that he would do it, or am I going to do it in a British accent? Let's do it in a British accent. Now, this is going to sound completely ridiculous. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme wrapped by me in a British accent, and I can't remember the lyrics. Anyway, here we go. Background hero. Okay. Ready? Now this is the story all about how my life got turned up upside down. And let me take a minute just to sit right there. Let me tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Oh dear, I'm not very good. <laughs> uh-huh. You listening? Okay, here we go. In West Philadelphia, born and raised, on the playground is where I spent most of my days chilling out, relaxing, maxing all cool, playing some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys, they were up to no good. They started making trouble in my neighbourhood. I got in one little fight and my mum got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where I forget the lyrics. Something about a taxi happens at this point. Uh-huh. He gets in a taxi and then he goes... I pulled up to the house about seven or eight and I yelled to the cabbie, yo home, smelly later, look to my kingdom. I was finally here to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. I think I got some of the lyrics wrong. Anyway, that's a little idea of um, what I guess most 
people of my generation. Most of my friends, for example, could probably uh, repeat many of those lines as well. And do you know the show that I'm talking about now? Uh, Did you ever watch that show? The show was actually quite good, I thought. I used to enjoy watching it. I thought it was quite cool and funny. And it also introduced Will Smith, the, the movie star Will Smith, to the world. The show was produced by Quincy Jones, the legendary music producer and composer. I think it was a sort of an affectionate piss take, like they were making fun, I think, of the extravagant Bel Air lifestyle. And it was also a subtle comment on the position of African Americans in American high class culture. Or maybe it was just a comedy show with no deeper meaning. So what is the show about? Well, you've, you've obviously just heard me rapping some of the, 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 the uh, verses from it there, badly. Um, that was quite cringeworthy, wasn't it? Oh, God, what's he doing? A sort of British version. This is all weird anyway. <laughs> um, if you've seen the show, then you'll know. If you haven't seen the show, then, well, I'm not going to tell you exactly what, what the, the sort of premise of the programme is yet, because I actually want you to listen to Will Smith's rap. Um, And then I want you to work out the story from that. So in a second, I'm going to play you the proper version and the full version. And you can sort of listen to the lyrics and try and work out what the story of the TV show is. So let's let's listen to that rap from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, if you're thinking at this point, you might be thinking something like this. You might be thinking, but I want British English, not American English. Will Smith's American. Well, he's from the United States. Yeah. Well, if you're thinking that, well, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because as far as I'm concerned, stuff like this crosses borders. My friends and me, um, many, many other British people of my generation, grew up watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air every single week on TV. So as far as I'm concerned, it's actually part of the British experience as well. Because British English, British culture is influenced by lots of different factors. And that's how it should be, you know. Britain doesn't just live on this little closed, uh, sort of uh, isolated uh, existence. British life is not like Downton Abbey. We're not all just sitting around in wood-panelled drawing rooms wearing tweed, uh, drinking tea and looking down on the working classes. That's not what life is like. For most of us growing up, we were exposed to loads and loads of stuff Loads of different types of culture from around the world, including television from all parts of the English-speaking world in particular, including, of course, all parts of the UK, Ireland, Australia, and certainly the United States. So for me, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was part of a typical weekday evening when I was 15, probably, along with things like mashed potato for dinner, Australian soap operas on TV, BBC News, Super Mario, and Rain. Okay, so all part of my normal British uh, upbringing. So yes, the Fresh Prince is American English, but I consider it also to be sort of global English. And you should too. Also, I think that everyone should be able to repeat at least some of the lines from this rap. It's just basic general knowledge as far as I'm concerned, if you consider yourself to be a global person. So let's listen to that rap and analyse some of the lyrics. And I will go through some of the stuff and explain some of the bits that I think might be, uh, you know, good vocab, let's say, or tricky vocab. So uh, now the thing is that this is not even a great rap. That's the thing. It's just a laugh. It's not exactly the best sort of hip hop that you can find. It's not exactly the Wu-Tang Clan or anything. Anyway, 
this rap uh, from this TV show tells a little story and it's fun. All right, fine, good, let's do it. Now, the English that you'll hear in the rap has some elements of typical American slang spoken by a guy from Philadelphia, a black guy from Philadelphia. I don't know, is it important that he's black? I think it's probably significant. I think that's part of the culture. And it's fairly generic, to be honest. The language that you're going to hear is fairly generic American English. Uh, The main thing is that it's got some phrases that you might hear in hip-hop music or culture. That's basically sort of another way to say, you know, like black Americans. You could say that sort of black Americans have their own sort of... It's not a dialect. I I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a dialect but you tend to find a certain type of English or certain little phrases and things uh, among the black community in the United States. Um, I think that's fair fair to say. Uh, but you also find plenty of other types of people using language like this. Whatever, right? Whatever. It's Will Smith. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just say it's Will Smith's English. He co-wrote the lyrics of the song and all that stuff. So I could, I guess you could say this is the kind of English that you might hear from Will Smith. Okay, fine. To be honest, this is also slang that's made its way into everybody's world. I use some of this language, partly ironically, partly not, because my friends and I are all aware of it from TV shows, listening to hip-hop, stuff like that. And I think you should know it too. Fine. Um, so um, let's let's listen to the rap. Here it is on YouTube. You On the YouTube. I want you to listen to this. It's only about it's less than two minutes long. And I want you to try and work out what is the story, okay? What's the story? Because it tells a little story. So listen to the rap. What is the story? We'll be going through it uh, and analysing some of the lyrics in just a moment. Here we go. is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down and i'd like to take a minute just sit right there i'll tell you how i became the prince of a town called bel-air in west philadelphia born and raised on the playground is where i spent most of my days Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase and sent me on my way. She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket. I put my Walkman on and said, I might as well kick it. First class, yo, this is bad. Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel-Air living like hmm this might be all right i whistled for a cab and when it came near the license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mirror if anything i can say that this cab was rare but i thought man forget it yo home's the bel-air i pulled up to the house about seven or eight and i yelled to the cabbie yo home smell you later looked at my kingdom i was finally there to sit on my throne as the prince of bel-air right did you understand all of that i'm not i'm not asking whether you like the music although you sort of should because it's pretty fresh actually even though it was made in the 90s what are you talking about luke why are you talking in that voice? I don't know. Anyway, so the rap basically sets up the scenario of the show. Did you work out the details of the story? 
Uh, here it is in a nutshell, and then we're going to go in, into the lyrics a bit as well. So, Will Smith's an ordinary guy from a rough and slightly dangerous part of Philadelphia on the East Coast. The, uh, the area where he lives is too rough and dangerous, so his mum decides, after he ends up getting into, a, into some trouble with some local guys, his mum decides that he has to move, he has to move in with his aunt and uncle. Okay, now to move in with someone obviously means that you uh, you leave your current place of residence and you um, go and live with someone else. So uh, to move in with someone, we also have to say to to move house or just to move. So anyway, he's going to move in with his aunt and uncle who happen to live in Bel Air in Los Angeles on the other side of the country. The aunt and uncle are rich and successful. The uncle, Uncle Phil. Now this is not in the in the rap, but uh, Uncle Phil is a judge. Correction, he's not actually a judge. He's just a really, really top-level lawyer. Okay? All right, carry on, Luke. Which is definitely possible. I mean, he's African-American, but he's like a uh, very rich, successful judge, which is, of course, possible, but a bit rare. Um, I think it's fair to say, but definitely possible. Most of the rich people in that community, in Bel Air, I think are white Honestly, still, it is possible for a black family to make it to the top in that place. I mean, even now, for example, uh, I think probably the biggest house in the area is owned by Jay-Z and Beyonce. So, you know, I don't know. What does that tell you? I think it, who is it? Chris Rock, the comedian, makes a joke about this. He lives in a similar part of town, I think, and he's obviously hugely successful African-American. And the thing, the thing that he says is that, he he lives in this rich area and and he's like one of the most famous people in the country one of the most successful comedians but his next door neighbor is just a doctor like a white doctor and it took him extraordinary levels of success like the highest levels just to reach the same level of wealth as a white guy who's a doctor hello just interrupting myself again here i think that you should probably hear this from chris rock himself because I'm not entirely sure that I'm fully qualified to talk about this. I mean, it's the subject of racial politics in the United States. It's quite a serious topic. Uh, but, you know, whatever, it's fine. The, f- the fact is, though, right, the point is that despite the American dream, which says that anyone can make it, it doesn't matter who you are, despite that idea, it appears to be much harder for a black guy to become a millionaire than for a white guy to become a millionaire. All right. Now, I'm not saying why that is. I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not trying to explain or give reasons why that is. I'm just saying that that's the way it is. In fact, not e- these are not even my words. Uh, these are the words of Chris Rock. I'm just reporting it as something that I've heard him say. Um, now, again, you probably don't know who Chris Rock is, I think. A lot of you won't know who he is, but he's one of the most famous guys in the United States, one of the biggest stand-up comedians, not just in the States. He's huge in the UK as well and, you know, in the English-speaking world. He's huge. And um, so what I'm going to play you now is an extract from one of his shows that you can find on YouTube. This clip is on YouTube. And you're going to hear Chris Rock talking uh, in his own unique voice about um, – his situation he lives not he doesn't actually live in in bel-air but he lives in a similar community in new jersey kind of a very rich area and he's talking about how um, in order to reach the same level as his white neighbors uh, he has to be one of the absolute top people in his field and it kind of reveals something about some sort of inequality 
that exists in the United States, a country that uh, advertises itself as a place where everyone is equal. Um, so the, the footage that you're going to hear is actually taken from several shows in which he said exactly the same things. And that's why you'll notice that the sound changes slightly during the routine. You can see this video on the page for this episode. So this is, uh, these are now the words of Chris Rock, who I think is probably able to explain this in a, in a, in a better way and certainly a very funny way. Here we go. Oh, by the way, I'll explain some of this stuff if you don't understand it after the video clip. I will give you an example how race affects my life, okay? I live in a place called Alpine, New Jersey. Live in Alpine, New Jersey, right? My house cost millions of dollars. <laughs> Don't hate the player, hate the game. In my neighborhood, there are four black people. Hundreds of houses for black people. Who are these black people? Well, it's me, Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, and Eddie Murphy. Only black people in the whole neighborhood. So let, let, let's break it down. Let's break it down. Me, I, I'm a decent comedian. I'm all right. Uh, Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige, one of the greatest R&B singers to ever walk the earth. Jay-Z, one of the greatest rappers to ever live. Eddie Murphy, one of the funniest actors to ever, ever do it. Do you know what the white man that lives next door to me does for a living? He's a fucking dentist. He ain't the best dentist in the world. He ain't going to the Dental Hall of Fame. He don't get plaques for getting rid of plaques. He's just to yank your tooth out dentist. See, the black man got a fly to get something that the white man could walk to. That's right, baby. Shit, I had to make miracles happen to get that house. I had to host the Oscars to get that house. And, and to this day, I don't even believe it's my house. That's why I keep a bag packed right by the door. Just in case the white people that really own the place show up one day. Time to go, blackhead. Damn, I knew this day would come. Good thing I'm packed. Do you know what a black dentist would have to do to move into my neighborhood? He'd have to invent teeth. Uh, it feels controversial to be talking about this. Uh, it shouldn't do. Uh, identity politics, what a drag. Anyway, that was Chris Rock, Chris Rock um, from one of his shows talking about what it would take for a black guy to um, live in, in a neighborhood like that. A um, couple of things he said. One of them was, my house, my house cost millions of dollars. And then the audience are cheering because that's the way it is in the United States. They, they like to celebrate other people's success like that. We don't do that in Britain. If you said that in front of a big audience of people in the UK, probably if you said my house costs billions of millions of dollars, everyone would be like, oh, bloody, what an asshole!" Because um, in the UK, we don't celebrate other people's success in quite the same degree as they do in the States. Different culture. I don't know how it is in your country. So he said, my house costs millions of dollars. And everyone's like, <laughs> all cheering. And then he says, don't hate the player. 
hate the game. So uh, talking to the people who might actually um, sort of hate him for his, uh, for his wealth. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's a thing that you hear in like rap music. Um, don't hate the player, hate the game. Like, so don't hate the individual, hate the system that he's part of. And it's actually a dentist, isn't it? Not a doctor. I thought it was doctor. It's, his neighbor's a dentist. Um, and um, so he was talking about um, you don't get plaques for getting rid of plaques. So to, to get to that position, he had to host the Oscars to get that house um, and whatever. And the, he talked about the dentist saying you don't get plaques for getting rid of plaque. Uh, a plaque is so double meaning of the word plaque. First of all, you might have a plaque on your desk. For example, if you've become a great dentist, you might have a metal, little metal sign that's on your desk. It may be, even be attached to your desk. A little brass sign with your name engraved in it. Or it may be a plaque on the wall or a plaque on the door of your office. That's a plaque, okay? Like a little brass sign with your name engraved in it. Um, but also in dental work relating to teeth, you have this stuff called plaque which is stuff that builds up on your teeth. And I, I, um, I think that, uh, like, if you don't brush your teeth in the morning, if you don't get rid of all of the stuff, you know, the stuff that builds up on your teeth at night, that kind of disgusting stuff that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you've got slime all over your teeth. And it's like, where did this weird tooth slime come from? Uh, I guess it's bacteria. And then we, we, we use toothpaste and we brush that stuff away. If you don't brush that stuff away... Then, and then you eat something sweet, like you have some jam on your toast, then the bacteria on your teeth and the sugar in the jam combine and they create this stuff called plaque, as far as I understand it. And plaque is very bad for your teeth. It kind of uh, erodes your teeth and stuff. Um, so a lot of what dentists do is they get rid of plaque, which might be um, sort of stuck to your teeth or whatever. So when you go to the dentist and they... They do that thing where they, they, they clean the teeth. You know, they've got that horrible thing that sort of cleans your teeth. Often they're removing the plaque, which is attached to your teeth. Um, so you don't get plaques for getting rid of plaque. Um, that's just a joke. I can't remember how that fits into his routine, but anyway. Um, and then he said, the black man, black man got a fly to get something the white man can walk to. Um, which is like the analogy, you know, for what he's talking about. Uh, and he said, you know, I had to, ho I had to host the Oscars to get that house. And, um, this guy just had to clean some teeth. Uh, do you know what it, what it would take for a black man to, um, to become a, a really great dentist? He'd have to invent teeth. So, you know, basically saying that it's not a level playing field. That's his point. So where was I? I was talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the idea that, uh, Will Smith's uncle in the show is a top-level lawyer and they live in this huge mansion in Bel Air. And I was saying, well, that's definitely possible, but arguably more difficult for someone like that than, uh, you know, from, than, than for someone from a white family. I don't know what you're thinking at this point. I'm a bit concerned, to be honest, because uh, I'm venturing into sort of controversial uh, ground here about um, racial politics and identity politics and stuff. I, I don't really want to get into that. I just wanted to have fun with the rap from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But for some reason, I've dug myself into this hole, this sort of racial polit political hole. And now I've got to dig my way out of it. But I mean, 
you know, I think it's all fine. I understand it all. The reason I'm concerned is I'm think I'm wondering what you're thinking out there in the world. Anyway, I mean, so part of what I'm doing here is I'm just trying to kind of, um, uh, I guess, talk about uh, some of the aspects of American life that I don't know if you're f- if 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 these things impact on your daily experience. Um, but anyway, these are the themes underneath. Um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a show which uh, on the surface is just a, a light-hearted comedy. But actually, um, underneath all of that stuff, there are these big themes. That's what's interesting about the show, that it actually has uh, an interesting heart to it, which is that it's exploring all of this stuff about the role of uh, uh, black Americans in American life and all that kind of thing. All right, so let's get back to the so the podcast that I recorded yesterday, here we go. So um, the Bel Air family, the parents have, have got lots of class and they're also in touch with their roots. But the two kids in the household, Will Smith's cousins in the show, the two kids are, are they're roughly around Will's age. The brother, Carlton, is like really preppy and square. Um, preppy, that's like a word you would use to describe the sort of American person who would go to an expensive prep school. A preppy American person would probably wear, you could imagine them wearing chinos and maybe an, a button-down Oxford shirt, maybe a blazer. You know that kind of um, Great Gatsby kind of style? That's preppy. And it's associated with the sort of high-class, rich, white people, the kind of wasp-style person, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the people, sorts of people who go to the best schools in America. They tend to be this high-class kind of, uh, high-class white families, preppy. So the the uh, the son in the family dresses in this preppy style. He acts all preppy. Um, and uh, his sister, Ashley, her name was Ashley, right? Wait, correction. The sister's not called Ashley. She's called Hillary. Uh, there is another sister as well, a younger one called Ashley, and she's like perfect. She's just really great. She's sweet. She's talented. She's got no personality flaws that we can see at all. But the one I'm talking about is called Hillary. Bloody hell. How much stuff do I have to correct in this episode? It's a bloody nightmare. Anyway, the, the one I'm talking about now is called Hillary, not Ashley. She thinks she's better than everyone else. All she cares about is buying nice clothes and getting her hair right. Um, she's really conceited. She's really, really vain. Now, Will Smith arrives in this environment as the normal guy from Philadelphia. And all the comedy here comes from the clash of cultures. Because Will is like this, this real person. And he clashes with his family, which is living in some sort of other world in which they've arguably lost touch with their roots or at least they're just living an utterly different experience to the one that he knows in the uh, on the east coast of the united states the thing is right the show as well as dealing with this kind of clash of cultures within the black community it's also quite aspirational because we see this black american family who've managed to get almost to the very top of american society they live in bel-air so it's quite aspirational in, in that sense it's sort of celebrating the fact that uh you know, this can happen. So it's really clever in that way. It's a clever show. It manages to be aspirational on one hand, and yet also down to earth and real on the other hand. And then also it's kind of um, on a third hand, not that anyone's got three hands, but it's sometimes it's useful for arguments. You should never say on a third hand, by the way. It's not real English. 
So uh, on, you know, also um, it's you know perhaps some sort of statement or comment or a way of highlighting a cultural clash. And we all watched it on TV growing up, and we all enjoyed it mainly because Will Smith was just really funny and relatable, and it was a very well written show. It's it, it was a good show. Um, so let's have a look at those lyrics. I'm going to tell you which bits of vocabulary are standard bits. For example, not specific slang. Standard. The stuff that everyone should know. And I'll tell you which bits are considered to be like slang. For example, the stuff that's more specific to uh, the way uh, Will Smith uh, himself would, would talk or maybe the social group that he comes from. Okay, then. So, first thing is... In, um, now, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. So you know the word upside down. It means it's the the the, the head is at the bottom and the feet are up and up are at the top. So it's been flipped. If you flip something, it means you uh, turn it upside down quickly. So the, his life got flipped upside down. Standard language. And I'd like to take a minute to just so just sit right there, and I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Fine. In West Philadelphia, born and raised fine. He was born in West Philadelphia. He was raised in West Philadelphia. On the playground was where I spent most of my days. On the playground. Playground is usually a space at the back of a school. It might be a place where you can play basketball. Sometimes they have a playground in the centre of, of, of town or in the, in, in the community where you live. There might be a playground. It might be a few basketball courts. In the UK, it would, it would probably be sort of like community football pitches things like that. So that's the playground. That's where he spent most of his days. Chilling out. Chilling out means relaxing. Uh, Chilling out. Maxing, he says. Maxing, which is just sort of like being cool, hanging out and being cool and relaxing. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing or cool just means hanging out with people and just being cool and relaxing uh, and probably sort of, you know, talking to people and stuff and, and having fun. Uh, chilling out, man. I can't believe I'm analysing the lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I can't believe this. I love my life. Anyway, um, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. So this is slang here. If you shoot some b-ball, it means that you play basketball. Okay? Shooting some b-ball, playing basketball. When a couple of guys who were up to no good... So there were a couple of guys there up to no good. If you if you if if you are up to no good or if someone is up to no good, it means they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. All right. So a couple of guys who are up to no good in the video, they're like sort of gangster rap types with gold chains and a big stereo and sunglasses. And they look really mean and scary. So this a couple of guys who are up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. Okay. That's easy to understand. I got in one little fight and my mum got scared. Okay, so I got in one. Lots of uses of get there. Did you notice? I got in one little fight, meaning I became involved in one little fight and my mum got scared. She became scared and she said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Fine. Um, I begged and pleaded with her day after day. I begged, like, please don't make me go. I beg and plead is to sort of, say, please, 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 please don't make me go. But she packed my suitcase. She sent me on my way. If someone sends you on your way, it means they like they send you off to go somewhere. Uh, She gave me a kiss and then she gave me a ticket. 
I put my Walkman on and I said, well, I might as well kick it, uh, which just sort of means I'm, I might as well. I might as well. Now, that's a really good phrase, actually. I might as well do something. That I keep thinking about that phrase and thinking I should mention that on the podcast. That's a good phrase. So I'm glad it's come up here. I might as well kick it. If you might as well do something, it means that you kind of think, well, I suppose I should do something because I can't really think of any other reason why I shouldn't do it. You know, I might as well do it. Let's, for example, say my wife goes uh, to uh, the shops, right? She says to me, I'm going to go to the shops. I'm going to go and buy some, some, uh, some clothes. But you, you know what? You don't need to come. So you've got two hours. I might as well record an episode of the podcast. I might as well record an episode of the podcast, meaning I can't really think of a reason why I shouldn't. It's basically a phrase that you use to suggest doing something, often when there's nothing better to do. Right, so he's sitting on the plane, and he said, "I put my Walkman on, and I said, well, I might as well kick it. Kick it means sort of enjoy listening to some music or to sit back, relax, and enjoy some music in this case, probably some hip hop, maybe something like a tribe called Quest. Can I kick it? 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 A tribe called Quest, so maybe that's what he was listening to. Anyway, so he's he got his ticket and he put his walkman on and said, Well, I might as well kick it. And he and he says, First class, yo, this is bad. Now, bad there doesn't mean bad, it actually means good. So that's slang. Yo, this is bad means, hey, this is really good. First class, yo, this is bad, which means, yeah, this is really good. Okay, it's just slang. It means the opposite of what it actually means. Okay, drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel Air living like? Hmm, this might be all right. Okay, again, standard English there, really. But wait, I hear they're prissy, bourgeois and all that. Prissy and bourgeois. Um, let's see, what does that mean then, eh? Prissy and bourgeois. Bourgeois, well, prissy and bourgeois. Okay, let's, let's, let's explain what, uh, what these things mean. Prissy basically means, when if, if someone is prissy, it means they care too much about behaving and dressing in a way that is considered to be correct and, and that does not shock. Okay, so people who are prissy, it means that they worry too much about what other people think and they are overly cautious about being correct and polite. So paying far too much attention to etiquette rules, which makes people square and boring. Okay, Um, so that's prissy. And the other one was what? Bourgeois. Bourgeois is originally a French word, but it's used in English. If someone is described as bourgeois, it means that they are very kind of middle class or, or rich and um, they live in a way that uh, supports the values of materialism, the strong interest in having money and possessions. So materialistic and uh, focused around around money rather than 
you know, the more real things in life. So uh, he's sitting there on the plane going, oh, wait a minute. I hear that they're boring and square and, and materialistic and all that sort of thing. They're prissy and bourgeois. Is this the type of place that they would send this cool cat? Is this the sort of place that they would send a guy like me? A cat means a person. That's a bit of slang. A guy. Uh, is this the kind of place where they would send this cool cat, a guy like me? I don't think so. I'll see when I get there. I hope they're prepared for the Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, well, the plane landed, and when I came out, there was a dude who looked like a cop standing there with my name out. It's kind of a joke. I guess the guy was the, the driver, right? But Will Smith assumed that he was a cop. The clash of cultures. He assumed he was a cop, and so he kind of escaped Um, And he said, I ain't trying to get arrested. I ain't trying to get arrested. Ain't. Now, you find ain't in sort of slang English from lots of different places. It's in British English as well and American English. For example, you'd say, I ain't done nothing. That would be a London thing, a Cockney thing. I ain't done nothing, which means I haven't done anything. Ain't could mean isn't, aren't, haven't or hasn't. Okay, in this case, I ain't trying to get arrested means I am not trying to get arrested yet. I just got here. And the track continues with, I sprang with the quickness like lightning. Spring, you know, is to like uh, uh, move kind of quickly, a bit like the way a cat would spring or uh, a spring itself, like a spring in a sofa or spring in a bed. I sprang, that's the past form, spring, sprang, sprung. I sprang with the quickness like lightning and disappeared. So he thought he was running away from a cop. Turns out he was just running away from the chauffeur, I think. So he chose to get a taxi. He says, I whistled for a cab. Remember, I whistled. I whistled for a cab. And when it came near, the license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mirror. So uh, he's just discovered that the taxis are quite cool. Or this particular taxi is quite cool because the license plate said fresh, which back in the 90s, fresh was a word that meant good, right? For fresh. Oh, this stuff is really fresh. Fresh, like that, remember? You ever remember that in hip hop from the 90s? I don't know if you ever listened to it, but anyway, you'd often hear that sample fresh like that. So anyway, the license plate said fresh and there were dice in the mirror. You know, sometimes in cars, they have things dangling down from the mirror. Uh, and if it's dice, you know, that's quite, quite cool. It was in the 90s anyway. Ah, oh, the 90s. Um, so the, the license plate, the registration plate on the car said fresh and it had dice in the mirror. Uh, if anything, I could say this cab was rare. Uh, but I thought, nah, forget it. Yo, Holmes to Bel Air. So all of that standard English except yo, Holmes. So yo, I mean, I don't need to explain that one, do I? Of course I don't. Yo, Holmes. Holmes, spelt in the same way as Sherlock Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S. It's just slang, the kind of word that you would use to refer to a friend, like a good friend, a stranger. Uh, You know, just a word it means like a guy, a, a dude. Uh, all right, mate. Yo, Holmes. Hey, mate. Basically like that. And he's shouting to the taxi, Yo, Holmes, to Bel Air. And then it goes, I pulled up to the house. So when the car, when a car pulls up, it means the car stops at a certain spot. So for example, you would pull up outside your house. You'd pull up 
to the house. You pull up to the uh, McDonald's drive-through, for example. Okay, so pull up. Also, pull over. So if you ever get pulled over by the police, it means the pol- the police drive alongside you and they go like that. Pull over the car, please, sir. If it's in America, you know, pull over the car, please. And uh, you have to pull over. Uh, also, you can pull up to a place. So I pulled up to the house at about seven or eight and I yelled to the cabbie. So I shouted to the taxi driver, yo, Holmes, smell you later. So obviously you've got see you later. But in this case, smell you later, which means, of course, that the taxi driver was really smelly. So probably the taxi stunk. Your home, smell you later. I looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. All right, that's enough of that then, isn't it? But anyway, essential information that anyone needs to know uh, for true global English. You need to understand and perhaps even be able to repeat some of the lines from uh, the opening titles of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? Otherwise, you're basically you're not you're not a human in my eyes until you can do that. That might be a slight over exaggeration, just to prove my point. But anyway, there it is. You can find the lyrics to all of that, of course, on the page for this episode on the website. Also, the video, so you can play the track again if you want to. Oh, so anyway, there we go. So. Now, we drove around in Bel Air for, for a bit looking at houses like a couple of weird celebrity stalkers. Now, we didn't go there to look for celebrities. We just wanted to go up and have a look at these amazing huge houses and drive through the hills and look at the views and maybe see a bit of a sunset or something. So we drove around for a bit looking at houses like a couple of weird stalkers. Uh, and it's an absolutely beautiful area, I have to say, with hills and pretty little private roads and views over the valley but the houses are completely ludicrous and ridiculous. They are huge, first of all, and very ostentatious. That's a good word. Uh, Ostentatious. Uh, This is an adjective that means displaying wealth or showing off wealth. Okay? Like, imagine like a big, uh, a really big flashy car, like bling bling looking car. That's ostentatious. It's showing off how much money you've got. Well, these houses are often very ostentatious. They've got these huge, like, gardens, and um, they're like massive Spanish villas or something. Extremely ostentatious. And you get the impression that these people live in some sort of bubble. Now, I don't know, maybe they've made their money, they've built up their fortunes from nothing. They may have started out in really tough conditions in real in real life. And through lots of hard work, they built up their money until they got to, uh, you know, this stage where they're living in Bel Air in a massive mansion. Uh, but probably the kids of those parents, you get the impression that they live in this weird bubble. And I mentioned before that Beyonce and Jay-Z have a house up there and we actually came across it uh, we came across that house. It's unfinished. So we got to the very top of the road. We, we got as far up the hill as we could possibly get, as high as possible. And we found this unfinished house, massive house. You can't see much of it, but what we could see some of it. This big unfinished house with massive glass windows out the front, uh, sitting on, on the edge of the valley overlooking this this canyon. Amazing views. We worked out that it was their place after we, well, be honestly, we Googled it and we compared the pictures like a proper couple of stalkers. 
and we worked out that that was the one. Apparently, they are having problems with their neighbours, which is not really a surprise. The neighbours apparently claim that the house is obstructing their view and is kind of interfering with the enjoyment of their property. So there's a legal claim going on. I'm not surprised because the house is a bit of a monstrosity. It's a massive monster, this thing. Apparently, they're they're getting sued by the neighbours or something. I think it might be the biggest house in America or something silly like that. Something ridiculous. Anyway, so we saw the madness of, of Bel Air. And driving back down, we went past another massive house, actually. And we could see over the top of the hedgerow, you know, the hedgerow is like the the green um, sort of, you know, like it's like trees in a line, but you can cut them into shapes. These are hedges. Hedges divide fields. They divide up gardens. And sometimes you get hedges surrounding a property. So it's, you know, it's like it forms a kind of barrier around the property. We could see over the top of the hedges or the hedgerows, uh, I could see helicopter rotor blades above the hedge. So someone had a helipad on their property with a helicopter sitting on it. So imagine that, just having a helicopter. It's like, uh, I'm just going to go to the shops, darling. You're going to take the car? No, it's all right. I think I'll take the helicopter. Um, So someone had a helicopter on their property. Turns out, a little bit of research by my wife, Googling it in the car. Turns out that house was also owned by Beyonce and Jay-Z as well. They've got a helipad. That's where they live. The other place is being built, but they live on the place with the helipad. Mental, isn't it? How the other half live or how the 0.1% live. So after all of that, uh, we then swung past the Scientology buildings again on the way home. So it was on our way, driving along Sunset Boulevard, the full-on Hollywood experience, stuck in a traffic jam, to be honest. Um, We ended up driving along Sunset Boulevard, and I took a right turn to get away from the um, traffic jam. I ended up on L. Ron Hubbard Boulevard, not Boulevard, L. Ron Hubbard Boulevard. No, it wasn't L. Ron Hubbard Boulevard. It was L. It was L. Ron Hubbard Way, which is a road uh, named after the founder of the Church of Scientology. So suddenly we discovered, our, we found ourselves in Scientology land. And um, L. Ron Hubbard Way is like a big uh, spot for the Church of Scientology, and they own lots of buildings there. They might even own that road. I'm not sure. I think maybe it's a private road. I'm not sure if it's even possible to to have a private road in that part of Los Angeles. But anyway, uh, they've got loads of Scientology buildings there, including that huge blue thing. All of the buildings are painted blue, which is weird. Massive buildings, all painted blue, including one, the one that I saw two years ago, which is like an, an old hospital, this massive, very imposing building, all painted blue with big letters across the top, Scientology written across the top of it. Um, so it's now then it's, I wanted to talk about Scientology then now. So the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, fine, and Scientology, these two things might not appear to have anything in common other than the fact that they're both in the same big city. But I did find a connection between those two things. I did find a connection between the Fresh Prince and Scientology. And I'll tell you about that later. I'll come on to that in a moment. Okay, so this is the end of 
uh, episode four, part four of this Holiday Diary series. I'll continue in the next one, which will be just about Scientology. And I'll be exploring Scientology um, in probably a bit more depth than I did two years ago. And I'll be discussing the claims that it's either a cutting-edge self-help program that's good for society, or the claim that it's a fraudulent and dangerous cult that includes various Hollywood stars as its members. Okay, so that's going to be uh, in part five of the Holiday Diary series. Thank you for listening all the way up to this point. Um, And as ever, I'm curious to know your thoughts and responses in the comments section. Um, I hope that you're having a nice day or night or morning or evening, um, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Don't forget to join the mailing list on the website where you can get uh, notifications of new stuff whenever it arrives. And uh, that's about it for this one. All right, so I'll speak to you again in the next episode. But for now, it's time to say goodbye, bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.